Hi again, everybody. This is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, and different backgrounds to find out some of the things that they're doing that we can translate into our lives. Um, so we've talked to athletes, we talk to CEOs, we talk to entrepreneurs, and people that are just doing really cool things in their area of expertise, um, and really bring those back to you, the listener. And, and today, I know that we have somebody that uh, you're going to take a lot away from, um, really happy to have her today. Just before we jump into that, a couple of things that we have to do is, is um, obviously, if you're looking for a publication or a resource for fitness, for wellness, uh, nutrition, you need to check out Impact Magazine. Um, their current issue is out right now, and it actually features Mark McMorris, a uh, snowboarder, so um, really uh, cool to check that out. Um, you can find them on Instagram, or you can just go to www.impactmagazine.ca. Um, Epitome HR is also a supporter of the podcast as well, and they bring um, innovative solutions to address some of the unique human resources challenges you might be having, especially right now. Um, they're a full-service boutique consulting company um, that helps transform your organization by putting the people practices and the employee brand front and center for your organization. So if that's something that you're interested in looking at, um, go to www.epitomehr, E-P-I-T-O-M-E-H-R.com. They also have an assessment on there if you want to take a look yourself to see if it makes sense that that you get some help from uh, from that area as well. And then the last thing as well is if you're making some uh, travel plans, and especially uh, for those people I know that uh, um, we're kind of in that still lockdown phase and it kind of comes in and out of that. But if you're making plans moving forward, um, one thing to check out is the Wakefield Inn and Spa. Um, they're located on the edge of the Gatineau Forest, so uh, uh, not too far from Ottawa and uh, in, in definitely a, a place to uh, enjoy the relaxation part. Or there's a whole bunch of activities right there. If you've ever been in the Gatineau area, there's fat biking, there's cross-country skiing, there's hiking, all of those things just literally steps from the the Wakefield Inn. So um, so check that out either again on Instagram or go to www.wakefieldmill.com and uh, and check it out uh, so that you can make some plans. Um, and so after all that stuff that we're going through, again, really happy uh, to have Lindsay Webster here with us today. Um, she is one of the most recognizable and highly decorated OCR uh, athletes in the world. Um, she is a two-time Spartan Race World Champion and has uh, never missed a podium in 22 career US and S races. Um, she has 13 career wins. Um, and in 2019 at Lake, Lake Tahoe World Championships, she actually gutted her way to second place, um, but did that with a broken foot, I understand. So we'll, uh, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit too. Um, but recently she was a featured athlete um, on the first Spartan Games, which is where they brought a cross section of athletes from a whole bunch of different uh, genres. So from triathletes to uh, NFL players to marathoners, all of those things put them all together and tested their overall fitness in a bunch of different events that are outside of their comfort zones. Um, And Lindsay came out on top in that as well. Um, She's married to the top male athlete that came out on top on the male side as well, Ryan Atkins, and we've spoken to him before. Um, And so this is a a real pleasure because uh, I know that, um, uh, you know, we've been hoping to get Lindsay on for a little while and we really appreciate it because I know uh, we've got her in the middle of lockdown. So it's a little bit easier because yeah, I know you're, uh, you're in the middle of a snowstorm as well, Lindsay. So thanks for jumping on today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here. And also, I love Impact Magazine. um, And I love Wakefield Mill. And if anybody goes to Wakefield Mill, make sure you hit up uh, Chelsea Bakery. 
Ah, there. See all the inside tips. I didn't know that. Oh, no. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Chelsea Bakery, Ryan introduced me to because he grew up in Ottawa. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, there's this little quaint town called Chelsea and it has like one of the best bakeries I've ever been to. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, that's good for everyone to know because um, yeah, like y you guys, I, I think are in Quebec right now. So, it, you know, where, where Wakefield is, you've been spending a lot of time. It sounds like probably training outdoors. How, how has that been? How you've had to kind of, t you know, take some of your training outside in the last little while? Uh, usually actually most of my training has been done outside. Uh, so it's not, yeah, not a great change for me, but I am, pretty excited that there's a lot of snow falling right now because obviously as an athlete like um that opens up opportunities for just different kinds of training so um yeah. instead of just running now yeah. I can run or cross-country ski or um ski mo which is like where you ski up the mountain and then you take your skins off and you downhill ski down the mountain which is really fun way to get um a really good work at it <laughs> I guess very cool very yeah. cool well and uh, so um there's not many races. There weren't as many races this year um, because of what was happening around the world. Um, how uh, so? The Spartan Games was one thing that you kind of jumped into. Um, how was that after? There was probably a chunk of time where you just weren't able to race as much as you're used to. Was it uh, was it a, a big thing to be able to finally go to the Spartan Games, or or how did, how was that when that started out? Yeah. So we only found out about that event. Um... I'd say it was about three weeks before the event happened. And I just felt primarily really lucky to be able to do any event at all because all year long, um, basically I'd been training as I would for any other year and we'd have sort of events on the schedule and then they'd be canceled about a month to two weeks before the event happened. So all year long, it's sort of this limbo of like training and trying to peak to perform at my best and then having the race um be canceled so I eventually it sort of just became like training for life I guess or like whenever we were gonna get to be able to race again and uh so my fitness is good and I just felt really lucky to be able to utilize it in some way well and and arriving there um did you did you have a pretty good idea of what it was going to look like or was it um you know was a lot of it a surprise were the people there a surprise how did how did that work for you everything about it was very much a surprise. So not only the event itself, but um, basically the Spartan game. So it wasn't your typical Spartan race. It was this, this all encompassing event. It was four days long. Yeah. And over the four days we had, I think it was 10 events. So we had three or two events every single day. And there that included like mountain biking and swimming. And um, yeah, there was like a trail marathon uh, yeah, also, and lots of heavy lifting type events, yeah. like all these, uh, these different sort of, uh, things. And before, beforehand Spartan didn't tell us actually what we were going to be doing. I think we knew what, um, maybe half of the events we were, were going to be like, we knew we were going to have to mountain bike yeah, and we knew that there was going to be a swim, but like, we didn't know how long that they were going to be. Um, and then the other half of the events were sort of just a big surprise for everybody. So, so yeah, that was that was like really fun and challenging to train for um, the training basically involved us sort of doing a morning session and then we'd like recover yeah. and then an afternoon session. It was basically training our bodies to like fire again, multiple times in a day and to recover as, as best you can in between and practice what nutrition works best for you. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just like 
the training was really fun because it involved all sorts of like cross training. Yeah. Um, basically anything that you did for training counted. And uh, the competition was a surprise because um, we actually had no idea who was going to be there. And I yeah. thought that it was going to be a lot of familiar faces from the obstacle course racing world for me and more endurance based athletes, but I showed up and it, there was actually um, like all these different athletes from all kinds of different sports. We had a professional marathon runner. There was um, the CrossFit world champion. Yep. From, I think she won in 2013. Yeah. And she's like this Sam huge Briggs. name that I guess everybody in the CrossFit world like idolizes her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea beforehand who she was, but now I, I feel lucky at the time actually that I didn't know who she was, or maybe I would have been a little like yeah. more intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I just got to know her like a friend. And now, and then I learned after the fact via listening to various podcasts and things that like she's yeah. this big person name that people idolize. Was that was that weird for you when you got there and realized because it, it watching the show when it, when you go through it is there there were a lot of events that were cause some heavy lifting events and and yes. comparatively uh, I mean you're a smaller athlete than some of those I think of like um, we had uh, Faith Cook on a while ago and yeah. she, you know and she even she even said I couldn't believe when I went to do wrestling it was like okay, just reality, I'm just a whole lot larger than a lot of the women I had to wrestle. Like that, that's, she was saying that, was it, was it intimidating for you or was it, how, how did you take that when you'd see an event was very heavy lifting? Yeah, it was, it was a bit intimidating, but you know what? Like, I feel like I got the, the sort of like the lucky end of the stick there because uh, for athletes like Faith or people who are used to more lifting, they had to go do, I think the mountain yeah. bike event was six hours long and they had to run a trail marathon. And like for them, those, I mean, everybody was doing things that were out of their element, but they were doing things that were like, not only out of their element, but like for hours and hours. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it was just like, okay, will I be able to lift this? Yes, no. Yes, no. Okay. Yes, no. I, okay. I can, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but how much fun is Faith? Though? She's such a person. Oh, she she was hilarious, and and it was funny because she said the same thing when she thought the bike was the hardest thing for her, and uh, she talked about how when she fell off the bike that she had to talk to herself constantly because it just felt like it was forever to get through that mm -hmm. event for her, which because it just isn't her wheelhouse the same way as it would be for say somebody like you. So, but the competitors were so positive. Like she was such a positive force because like most of the events would have been kind of out of her, her wheelhouse. And uh, yeah. she just like, I don't know, they actually aired part of that in one of the episodes. Like, I guess they strapped a GoPro onto her, her yeah. bike and there's actually footage of her falling. And like, she's not even swearing or cursing nope. or anything. Like so many people would be disheartened and angry and she just like got back up. She, you can hear her talking to herself and it, yeah. it's all just like positivity. And so many of the athletes at this event were like that, like it was really inspiring to be around. And every time you kind of got to something that you was way out of your comfort zone, you'd be like, okay, well, like if they could do the mountain bike and the trail marathon, then like I can suffer through trying to lift this like 165 pound deadlift or something. Yeah. Well, and, and so was that, what the dynamic was like the whole time because you're all very competitive obviously you wouldn't be at the level you are in all of your sports if you weren't 
competitive and and mm -hmm. like you have this reputation everybody says oh you know Lindsay's the nicest person you'll ever meet and uh, but but you also see that you're competitive I mean you have to be so uh, are you are you different when you're in in race than you are outside of that or are you just more focused like how did how does that work for you yeah, I would say that I'm just more focused, um, but we all go along super well. Like we're definitely all there to compete, but I, I kind of describe that as an event as like summer camp for athletic adults. Like yeah. if I could pick a summer camp as an adult, it literally would be exactly that minus probably like a little less exercise per day. It was, yeah. it was extreme, um, but yeah, like everybody was just... But really fun, really nice, really positive. We all got along famously and uh, like we all slept in the same kind of, there was a girls dormitory and a boys dormitory. So it literally felt like summer camp. Like summer we, camp. We eat in the <laughs> dining hall, you know. <laughs> so if, if they do it again, is there somebody that you think, wow, I would, okay, I, I would love to arrive and this person be there uh, at the same time? That maybe wasn't it's there this definitely. time. You know, everybody, like everybody who was there, I would love to to meet and hang out with again. Um, they had a couple of the guys were really positive and really cool to be around too. They had a professional NFL player named Kurt yeah. Majit. And yep. he was like, so, he's in, in the episodes a lot. He was just like a really positive, cool guy. Um, yeah, Jared Shoemaker, who's um, the world championship Exterra, or sorry, I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking of Josiah, um, yeah. and he's like yeah. the world champion in Exterra. And then Jared Shoemaker is an Olympic triathlete. Like all these people were there, and it was just like really inspiring to at the beginning when they introduced us all, like hear all these names listed off, and yeah. <laughs> and then they say like Lindsay Webster, like OCR world champion, and everybody's like, what's OCR? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure yeah. that's changed now. Like that's, that's one thing is this, this also probably also helps change the profile of all of those things because um, there are a number of athletes that, you know, a different genre wouldn't have known. It is kind of cool to be able to have these, these, this variety together. Yeah. I really enjoy to bring sort of a good rep to obstacle racing. So I think a lot of people here like, Oh, obstacle racing. And they know it as like a weekend warrior sort of thing that you yeah. do with your work team and stuff, which is like, that was my first obstacle races um, yeah. was just like with my, with my work team and we did it together on the weekend. But um, yeah, like it's, it's really cool to have Ryan and my husband and I both won the event um yeah. as respective males and females and i thought it was really cool just to like solidify the fact that the world will recognize ocr athletes more as like really legitimate Absolutely. athletes and pair it up against all these other athletes in different different realms that the world i guess is more familiar with <laughs> yeah yeah it, it gives that kind of functional fitness piece a, a different look than than it might have mm -hmm. before because people automatically thought you know crossfit because it's you know promoted a whole lot right now or has been so uh so it's kind of cool that you're on that if well one of the things that i noticed there but i've also when i alluded to it before is that um i think in lake tahoe you um you, you finished on and was it a broken foot or was it a sprained foot or what what happened there and and I oh. noticed even... <laughs> yeah so um I actually got a stress fracture in yeah. right foot was it my right foot or my left foot see no I don't even remember I think <laughs> it was my know. left foot that had the stress yeah. fracture um and that happened about four weeks before that race so um wow. mentally for me that was like 
a really challenging time. I've been lucky enough to be a professional athlete five years now, and I've never actually had a serious injury. Ah. So, so I was sort of like, you know what? Every athlete takes their turn with this. Like now it's my turn, but the timing is really bad. Like this could have happened at any other time of the season, not right before the race that we spend all year yeah. preparing for. Like that's our, that's the big one. Um, so the timing wasn't great, uh, but I learned a lot from the experience definitely. And I got to the point where I was able to race. I was cleared by my physio and doctor and they yeah. said like, you know, not fully healed, but like, you're not gonna fully break the bone if you run on this thing right now. And uh, anyway, but it was, it was a really big mental game to race on a, like a foot that you know, isn't isn't there and um, coming into an event, like normally I would do a lot of running to prepare for that event, but I'd been doing all my training on a bike mostly. Um, And some Stairmaster was like the closest thing that I (laughs) could get to running. Um, So just, yeah. So mentally during the race, that was, a big challenge and then uh I think I was about two-thirds of the way through the race I came off an obstacle and I landed funny like I landed on basically the scaffolding that holds the obstacle up and I yep. <laughs> sprained really badly sprained my other ankle um, oh it was the other one I didn't realize it was the other one yeah so now I'm like <laughs> hobbling along and uh I've never had a sprained ankle before actually so I yeah. I didn't really realize how bad it was And so I like went on to finish the race Um, and the race was in September at the end of September and it took till December for the swelling in my ankle to go away. Yeah, because it it can swell right up right away too. Yeah, and for me to get like my mobility back and stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of like a wild thing to have happened but um, it's also like power of the mind when you're you know you want something and you're well, and is, is there anything you do and, and maybe because some people have a very specific kind of um, um, mental performance kind of way of approaching things. Do you do you have them, anything specifically that you deal with that's outside of your normal training or like how, how do you incorporate that or do you? Um, you mean, sorry, from a mental perspective? Well, like some people will like that, whether they've got kind of, um, you know, visualization or meditation or any of those kind of things or how do you how do you how do you get that kind of resilience muscle that you obviously have? Like, what do you do specifically from a mental standpoint? Uh, I think the resilience is, I don't know. I was born with that. That's just extreme competitiveness probably. But um, I do, I do a fair bit of meditation and I love to do yoga. I use it as basically mobility practice for me as an athlete, but um, yeah, I, I'm not like a good sleeper, which is, a struggle sometimes as an athlete because a lot of your your recovery happens while you're sleeping and a lot of nights I'll wake up like in the middle of the night my body just like it's like a light switches on and I'm like bing (laughs) wide awake um so yeah I do a lot of um mindfulness and uh, yeah visualization and stuff and that not only helps me sleep but like it just yeah it's it's surprising how much it can sort of just like calm calm your mind calm your body and what a yeah. difference it can end up making in your daily life and helps me focus when yep. I'm, I'm nervous before a race and, and uh, how much from um 
like I, I know nutrition is probably a really loaded question for you because it's different than a lot of athletes would be because it depends on, I guess, what you're preparing for. Um, but do you have, like, there are some people that are really kind of heavy into, um, some are, some are vegan, some are kind of, you know, really watch their macros and all that kind of stuff. How, yeah. how do you approach nutrition yourself? Um, I have a really relaxed view on nutrition. Like I, yeah. I actually love baking and cooking huge hobby of mine. So like a lot of our foods are homemade. Like we eat tons of fruits and vegetables. Um, all the bread I usually eat is homemade, but I'm not like gluten-free. Yeah. I'm vegan. Um, I've tried sort of cutting these things out, including dairy and stuff and just to see how it would affect my body. And I, I didn't notice any positive changes with most of them. I did notice like various negative changes. Like for, yeah. I tried for a couple months once to be a vegetarian and I ended up, I was like really focusing hard on not um, succumbing to any like iron deficiency or protein deficiency. And yeah. I definitely ended up with a lot less energy and like pretty iron deficient. It's hard as an athlete, especially as a female athlete to, yeah. um, to get enough iron and, are like I guess running as well um has a tendency to actually like break down your red blood cells I think it is so um so you need like additional iron to compensate for that especially if you're a female athlete who is a runner yeah Um, yeah so I know some athletes can do it I think it really depends a lot on your body but for me I'm like you know what like none of these seem things seem to bug my body. So like, I'm not going to cut them out if I don't have to. Um, and we eat dessert most nights, but in moderation, I find that like most, I know there's pro athletes out there who have, um, done well in their sports as being a vegan or something like that. But like most people who you see at the top of their sport, um, like have pretty well-rounded diets. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you're, and you're also burning like what you would burn in a day is, is different than the average listener would, I'm sure, because of how much training you do. Um, but you're right like that. You know, I think most people you talk to, it is just kind of, um, uh, you know, doing things within reason, like which is a, mm-hmm. a pretty normal way of, of looking at it. Um, so uh, y- we already said before that you and Ryan are married. How... Um, you both must be extremely competitive people because you know you're you're at the top of your game on does that is that something like when you train do you do you train together do you have very different ways of approaching that and and how do you how do you kind of balance that when the two of you live together at the same time (laughs) yeah we're the thing is we're not really competitive with each other um we are probably i would say like each other's support systems like if i have questions about my training or something i or like if i'm worried about something then he's kind of my sounding board and like i'll run things by him so that i can get clear kind of clarity from him um but yeah i wouldn't say we're necessarily competitive with each other we train together as much as we can um but obviously like he's he has more muscle than i do he's he's faster um so like for example if we're doing hill intervals like we'll do them at the same time but not at the same speed so at least we can cheer each other on when we pass each other and it's it's fun to like see somebody else out there suffering with you but (laughs) we both have an easy day plan like yesterday we went and did schemo at the mountain together all day long um so and we can chat through that because it's just an easy workout or some days if i have like a tempo run planned 
um, that's where I'll be running like a medium speed and yep. for him that's his easy speed so like it it works so out well kind of work yeah. them out yeah oh very yeah. cool um it's funny actually through COVID this past year just to see how we both dealt with it differently like um we're both very competitive people but I am motivated a lot through I guess my competition and seeing you know what they're doing and stuff and if I see that yeah. they're doing something for training I'm like oh maybe I should incorporate that too and he's totally opposite he's like oh why do you why do you do that like you know you're just gonna do your best on any given day but he is just motivated a lot by being as fit as he possibly can and like um he just loves to race um whereas me sometimes i get like burnt out of all the racing so he struggled a lot last year um yeah and i have like i'm more of a homebody and i have a lot of hobbies and stuff that made it a lot easier for me so like <laughs> so a lot he's going lot stir crazy and yeah and, <laughs> and so he, i was sort of like his shoulder to lean on during that time and i got him into like a few hobbies but then when we're in the race season, when I'm starting to burn out, like he's my shoulder. <laughs> to yeah. lean on. So it's kind of, I don't know, like, yeah, we're both very competitive, but it, I think we, we work well together. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're lucky to have, have yeah, known each other. That's very cool. And, and you're both professional athletes. So that's, that's actually cool that your sport has been able to do that a lot more, you know, in, in, uh, recently. Um, do you see a lot of change happening that way, especially for, and, and I'll say, uh, especially for, um, for women athletes, do you see there being more opportunity to be more, um, you know, uh, to, to make your living off of doing your sport? Um, do you see opportunities happening there? Yes, definitely. Um, when I first came into the sport, I think everybody who was sort of at the top of the podium at the time had a full-time job. You yeah. would see the name Amelia Boone a lot. She was one of the top female athletes and she's actually a lawyer. Yeah. So she worked full-time and eventually she, she, yeah, she kind of like retired and stepped away from the sport. I think it was just like a lot for her to juggle between <laughs> trying to work and she wasn't willing to give up her shop, job. But like as sponsorship opportunities came in and made it possible for the the top athletes um to to make it like their full-time job um yeah. then it became a lot more normal for like those on top of the podium um to that to be their full-time job like um I think it, it caught a lot of us at a good age to where we were in between university or college and yeah. um really like solidifying our careers Whereas yeah. like for Amelia, she'd already solidified her career and wasn't really right. willing to step away from it. Whereas like a lot of others of us, we were just like, oh, it's a good time. <laughs> so yeah, sure, not, I'll give right? it a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, do, do you come from, like when, when you started this, you said that some of it was um, in your, you know, you started doing it the same way as some people were doing it on weekends and things like that. But do you come from, like, uh, what kind of sports did you do when you were younger? Did you come from a very, you know, like a athletic family? How did, how did that work for you growing into the sport? Mm -hmm. I did actually. Yeah. I grew up, I guess, figure skating and then I got really into cross country skiing um, in high school, my sister introduced me to it and she actually ended up um, being a two-time Olympian mm -hmm. in the sport of cross-country skiing. So she was like a huge influence for me in terms of seeing the dedication that it took to being a full-time athlete. Like our school bus would come at 6.30 in the morning and she would wake up at five every morning oh. so that she could fit a run in before 
grabbing the school bus and then she'd run on her lunch hours and she ended up getting a track scholarship but like she wanted to pursue skiing and anyway so we both were like really competitive in skiing together um I sort of made the decision that I wanted to be like a normal kid for a little while and I went I went off to university and I was like I'm gonna go the sort of like the more career route um and just like do you know be a normal kid step away from sports for a few years and figure out if it's whether or not I actually like want to do competitive sports or it's something I've just always done um and so I sort of was just like I'm gonna go have fun for a while and like focus on my future (laughs) my career future not my athletic future um and then yeah just I don't know gradually got got back into sports just because I love doing them. I love being outside. I love activity and uh, ended up eventually just like the competitive drive found me again and got back into it after, I think it was, it was probably like four or five years before I really started being competitive with it again. So yeah, it was, it was a good hiatus. (laughs) Well, and and so where do you see, um, I mean, I know it's kind of hard right now because we're still kind of, everybody's still feeling their way through this stuff in the next little while, but um, what kind of, um, what, what do you see wanting to accomplish over the next little while in your sport? I mean, you've, you've got, uh, we were talking before we came on, it was, it's hard to even look at your list and, of things that you've accomplished already and figure out what do you want to highlight because you've got so many things that you've, you've done, which is, which is great. So what, what is next for you? So. Your intro made me feel pretty great about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Say it that way. It's, it makes me No, it is feel it is pretty great. awesome. I, I and I think that's what people got a glimpse of when they saw the Spartan games to be honest is that there are a lot of people that wouldn't have known um, of that resume that you have and the fact that you know you you did do as well as you did against all of these other athletes that there may have been a couple of them that because of their sport they have this this higher profile but now hopefully that profile is catching up for you because your your accomplishments are, are pretty huge so far so so where do you see that going in the next while yeah in obstacle racing I've I've like gradually over the years um ticked off most of my my main goals I still yeah. have I still have like a couple left that I'd like to tick off um but I also really love mountain running and sky running most people probably aren't familiar with, with the term yeah. sky running yeah, yeah what is sky running it's really big overseas and especially in Europe um so basically it's it's mountain running like you run up a big mountain you're running along mountain ridges and yeah um maybe down the other side and up a different mountain I don't know basically it's mountainous routes but they they're not afraid to shy away from making it really technical I've done a couple races and like we were running down glaciers and we were running along these rocky ridges where you like had to hold a rope along the way sometimes you'll have to wear like a harness or um wow you'll have to like rope up and clip into uh yeah to to like <laughs> protect that's pretty yourself. cool um yeah it's it's pretty cool but to me it appeals because it's always like a really good workout but then you also get these stunning views and like you get to go all these cool places that you would never be able to get by car or even like by a bike um yeah. So that's definitely something that I want to do more of. Last year was my whole goal in uh, 2020 was to do the Skyrunner World Series and see kind of like how I would make out. I've only yeah. done a couple of sky races and overseas before. Um, they're yeah. really competitive. Um, I finished sixth in my first one and I was like, I really want to do more of these. And then obviously the whole 
year was kind of a yeah kind of washed but um, yeah. I'm gonna try and do it again this year so that's like another very cool and so different things like that's the one thing if people are listening i mean they they may think you know they they may be taking inspiration away from this but maybe thinking wow i'm nowhere near that um so maybe kind of thinking of there's probably people listening they're just thinking how do i um start to take some of that um you know the 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 part of the fun and you know the things that are are just really cool about being part of a sport like that um mm-hmm. if you were to say that there were kind of two or three things that people could do um just to to start to integrate whether it's it's fun or outdoors into what they do in training a lot of people just train indoors train in their basement right now and yeah. you know think how do you get outside how do you do some of those things are there a couple of things that you would recommend they do kind of right away to get themselves into that yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is like longevity. You want to find things that you enjoy. And if you really enjoy them, you're going to make it part of your lifestyle. And so for some people, like a lot of people really enjoy being in the gym and that's um, where they love to get their main, main source of exercise. For me, it's outside. Like I really don't like being in a gym. Um, yeah. So I would say f- for you, whoever you are, like find what you enjoy doing and just sort of like, fit it into your lifestyle whenever you can, um, half an hour a day. I don't know. Try I, it's hard right now. Cause like normally my other suggestion would be find a community, um, to do these things with, like we yeah. have like a little outdoor here that we like to get together with and train with. Um, obviously that's difficult right now, but, um, but yeah. down the road, it might hopefully won't be that far away that maybe that is a secondary thing too, is how do you start to connect? Yeah, with definitely. For me, what got me through this past year was was definitely having hobbies and like for for training itself, um, since the community sort of taken away, just having like multiple different activity outlets that I know how to do. So yeah, um, yeah maybe like try cycling if you haven't cycled before, like gravel riding is a really new big thing um, where you can get sort of on like the more back routes. If you're worried about cars, it's a lot quieter. They're often really pretty. Um, Yeah. yeah, Like in the winter, I cross country ski or you can get yourself a set of snowshoes, like just having different options for ways that you can find half an hour in your day to sort of like get outside and, and, press the reset button. And, and, yeah. And they're all things that you can do right now, even if you are kind of in that, you know, whether it's a lockdown or quarantine or just even, you know, things are a little quieter then you can mm-hmm. still do those things outside, which is, uh, you know, you, you can kind of might find you uh, revisit something you forgot you loved too. So at the same time. Yeah. yeah and don't be in, afraid to like invest in the gear. Like if it's going to, I don't know, like some outdoor sporting equipment is expensive, but like if, I don't know, I think that if you invest in the gear um, spend the money and you really enjoy it, then like, you can't really put a price on that. And then if you don't find you enjoy it, then it's like a massive thing right now, even just to try and find outdoor gear. So like there's yeah. a lot of, um, stuff for sale that people have bought and found that they're, they don't like, or they're not using and they're reselling it, which like, if you find that you don't like it, then just resell it. And like, yeah. you're not going to lose a whole bunch of money on it. Um, but yeah. there's definitely going to be somebody out there right now who's going to buy it. 
<laughs> yeah, because there's limited supply. I know we were looking at uh, fat bikes the other day, and there are very few of them around. But you're right. When if you did get one and you didn't enjoy it, you could definitely uh, um, find someone else who wants it at that this time. Exactly. Too. I just bought a new bike off a guy all the way in Vancouver, and he shipped it oh, really? to me. So. No way. <laughs> very cool. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So that well, like I don't know. They have they maybe like aren't in the same province, but if they're in the same country, it's not really an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, again, thank you very much for this, Lindsay. If people are um, trying to follow what you do and, and connect with you, how, um, how are some of the best ways of being able to do that? I would say probably Instagram is the best way to find me. Um, I'm not a big social media user, but like I do like Instagram and that's my main outlet. So yep. cool. on Instagram, I'm Lindsay Dawn Webster. Lindsay spelled with an A-Y. Um, yes. Yeah. And what we'll do as well so that everybody knows is we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes so that that way uh, you can see that as well. It's a nice, quick, easy way to get there. Um, if you haven't hit subscribe on uh, the podcast, make sure you do that. We have great guests every week and, uh, um, and make sure if you listen to this, uh, drop a, drop a review so that uh, you can let us know um, what you thought about uh, today's episode. But uh, again, thank you for taking the time. I know it's a, it's a nice day and I know you were, you were cold earlier, so you can head back downstairs and in front of the fireplace to warm up to Lindsay. So I'm cozy uh, now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. We really appreciated it. Yeah, my pleasure. And thanks to everybody who listened. All right. Okay. And we'll uh, talk to everybody again on Big Idea, Big Moves. Bye.